Good morning, Alex and friends. Today is Sunday, June 18th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Today, in Riverside, California, you can expect a high of 85.4 degrees and a low of 63.2. So, make sure to dress accordingly as you head out for your Sunday plans. Now, let's take a look at some of the top stories we'll be covering in today's episode of Alex's News. First up, a shocking investigation has revealed Russian involvement in the destruction of the Kakovka Dam in Ukraine. We'll dive deep into the details and discuss the potential implications of this alarming revelation. Next, the southern United States is bracing itself for a severe heat wave. Cooling centers have been opened, and we've already started to see storm-related power outages. We'll bring you the latest on this dangerous weather situation and how people are coping with the scorching temperatures. In an interesting twist, the NCAA is considering removing marijuana from its banned substances list. They're now focusing on prioritizing education over punishment for student-athletes. We'll explore the reasons behind this potential change and the impact it could have on college sports. Also, Sudan has implemented a ceasefire amidst a humanitarian crisis. The international community has gathered to address the dire situation on the ground. We'll provide updates on the efforts being made and shed light on the challenges that lie ahead. These are just a few of the stories we'll be covering in today's episode. Stay tuned to Alex's news for these and more stories from around the world. Our top story today focuses on the escalating conflict between Russia and Ukraine, which has been grabbing international attention. Efforts to find a resolution are underway, with African states taking the lead and spearheading these efforts. Joining us now to discuss this further is our news reporter, Antoni. Antoni, what can you tell us about the current situation? Thank you, Connie. The situation is indeed tense, as the conflict between Russia and Ukraine continues. African states, led by Egypt, are actively working to seek a resolution. Egyptian Prime Minister Mustafa Madbouli has emphasized the importance of a ceasefire as the first step towards serious negotiations. In fact, a delegation of African leaders recently visited Russian President Vladimir Putin in St. Petersburg, presenting proposals for de-escalation and facilitating talks between the conflicting sides. This highlights the significance of international involvement in resolving the conflict. It's interesting to see African states taking a leading role in these negotiations. Can you provide more details about the recent developments that have unfolded amidst this conflict? Certainly, Connie. Amidst the conflict, a New York Times investigation revealed surprising information about the destruction of the Kakovka Dam in Russian-controlled Ukraine. The investigation suggests that the dam was sabotaged from the inside, indicating that an explosive charge detonated in a passageway through the dam's concrete base on June 6th. The evidence strongly points towards Russia, who currently controls the dam, as the orchestrator of this explosion. Ukrainian prosecutors have received assistance from international legal experts who echo these findings, claiming it is highly likely that the collapse was caused by explosives planted by Russians. 
However, the Kremlin counters these allegations by accusing Ukraine of sabotaging the dam in an attempt to disrupt water supply to Crimea and divert attention from their counteroffensive against Russian forces. That's a significant revelation. It's clear that tensions between Russia and Ukraine are still high. Are there any other notable developments related to this conflict? Absolutely, Connie. Ukrainian forces have reported successfully destroying a significant Russian ammunition depot near the Russian-occupied port city of Henichesk in the Kherson region. This showcases the ongoing counteroffensives by Ukraine against Russia. Additionally, the United Kingdom has announced plans to provide £16 million in funding to enhance Ukraine's cyber defenses. This support demonstrates the international community's commitment to assisting Ukraine in tackling different aspects of this conflict. It's crucial for Ukraine to strengthen their defenses as they face Russian aggression. Are there any other updates or factors people should be aware of? Yes, Connie. Al Jazeera has provided some additional updates on the Russia-Ukraine war. Ukrainian forces recently celebrated the 480th day of the conflict by destroying another significant ammunition depot near Hanichesk. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has urged Vladimir Putin to end the war emphasizing the negative impact not only on Ukraine, but also on the African continent and other countries. Putin himself confirmed the presence of nuclear weapons in Belarus, which has drawn criticism from the United States regarding Russian saber-rattling. Furthermore, there are concerns of an environmental disaster after a dam broke in Ukraine, leaving approximately 700,000 people in need of clean water. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is seeking the support of African leaders in pressuring Russia for the release of prisoners, prompting a peace mission delegation to visit both Ukraine and Russia. Alarmingly, the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture has raised concerns that the use of torture by Russian forces in Ukraine may be considered a state policy. And lastly, the head of the UN Atomic Energy Agency has described the situation at the Zalprijizia nuclear plant as serious following the dam breach. With Russian volunteers joining the fight against Ukraine, the situation becomes even more challenging for Ukraine. That's a lot to digest. Thank you for bringing us up to speed, Antony. We appreciate your insights and analysis on this critical issue. Welcome back, folks. We're going to dive into our second story today, which revolves around a scorching heat wave that's causing quite a stir in the southern part of the United States. Joining us now is our fantastic reporter, Ellie, to give us the lowdown on this situation. So, Ellie, can you break down what's happening with this heat wave? Absolutely, Connie. This heat wave has swept through the southern region, making its presence known in cities like Houston and New Orleans. To provide some relief, cooling centers have been opened in these areas allowing people to escape the sweltering conditions. But the heat wave has extended beyond just those locations. Interesting. Now, you mentioned Perryton, Texas, which was recently hit by a tornado. I understand they're also facing the brunt of this heat wave. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, Connie. Despite the recent tornado, Perryton is now grappling with extreme heat. To help the community combat the effects of the heat wave, Plans are set in motion to open a cooling center there as well. It's remarkable to see them facing such consecutive challenges. Absolutely. It must be tough for the folks in Perryton. Now the National Weather Service has issued excessive heat warnings for the Gulf Coast. What can you tell us about the conditions in that area? 
The Gulf Coast is experiencing heat indexes that are reaching up to a scorching 120 degrees Fahrenheit. That's truly sweltering. Due to this intense heat, cooling shelters have been established specifically for those residents who are currently without electricity as a result of the storm. It's crucial to assist those who might be particularly vulnerable. That's crucial indeed. You mentioned storm-related power outages in East Texas. Is this connected to the tornado in Perryton? That's right, Connie. The tornado in Perryton did cause widespread power outages, as did the storms in East Texas. These unfortunate incidents have left communities dealing with not only the aftermath of a natural disaster, but also the consequences of extreme heat without electricity for some. It's a multifaceted challenge for them. Absolutely, the situation sounds quite challenging. Now what about other places like New Orleans and Florida? Are they facing similar problems? New Orleans has taken proactive measures by opening cooling centers and hydration stations to provide respite from the boiling temperatures. On the other hand, Florida has had its own share of extreme weather with a water spout and a few minor injuries, adding another layer of difficulties to the mix. It's remarkable how this heat wave is impacting several states across the region. Can you summarize the key elements of this situation for us, Ellie? Certainly, Connie. The southern region is in the grip of a significant heat wave, characterized by high temperatures, extreme humidity, and severe weather conditions. Local communities and officials are pulling together to offer support and relief to residents through the establishment of cooling centers and hydration stations. It's crucial for people to take necessary precautions and prioritize their safety. Absolutely. Safety should be everyone's top priority. Thank you so much, Ellie, for providing us with such insightful information about this concerning heat wave. We really appreciate it. You're welcome, Connie. It was my pleasure to shed some light on this important issue. Stay cool, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. We have another intriguing story for you today. The NCAA, the governing body for college sports in the United States and Canada, is currently reviewing the possibility of removing marijuana from its banned drug list and testing protocols for college athletes. This potential change is based on a recommendation from the NCAA Committee on Competitive Safeguards and Medical Aspects of Sports. Joining us now to discuss this further is our news reporter, Arnold. Arnold, what more can you tell us about this development? Thank you, Connie. The NCAA Committee on Competitive Safeguards and Medical Aspects of Sports has conducted a thorough evaluation and has concluded that cannabis does not actually enhance athletic performance. As a result, they recommend limiting testing to drugs that are truly performance-enhancing. The committee is suggesting that the NCAA takes a similar approach to cannabis as it currently does with alcohol, focusing on educating student-athletes about the health risks rather than enforcing punitive measures. This proposed approach would mark a significant shift in the NCAA's stance on marijuana. That's quite a change in perspective. I understand that the NCAA has already been reevaluating its cannabis testing policies. Can you tell us more about that, Arnold? Absolutely, Connie. Last year, the NCAA raised the threshold for THC, which is the intoxicating substance in cannabis that would trigger a positive drug test. This adjustment indicated a gradual reevaluation of the association's approach to marijuana testing. It's worth noting that other sports organizations have also adapted their policies regarding marijuana use. In 2019, the MLB dropped marijuana from its list of drugs of abuse. And more recently, the NFL stopped testing players for THC during the offseason in 2021. Interesting. 
so this potential change wouldn't be an isolated decision. It seems that other sports organizations have been moving in a similar direction. With that said, the NCAA oversees college sports in a significant number of schools and involves a large number of student-athletes. What implications would this decision have on collegiate sports? You're absolutely right, Connie. The NCAA oversees college sports in approximately 1,100 schools across the United States and Canada, involving more than 500,000 student-athletes across its three divisions. Therefore, any decision made by the NCAA regarding the removal of marijuana from their banned substance list would have significant implications for collegiate sports. It would shape the policies and guidelines that student-athletes must adhere to regarding marijuana use. That's a substantial number of student-athletes affected by this decision. Considering the magnitude of this potential change, Arnold, has the committee taken any steps to ensure a well-informed final decision? Yes, they have, Connie. The committee has requested that the NCAA ceases testing for cannabis at championship events during the evaluation period. This temporary halt in testing would allow for a more thorough assessment of the impact of removing marijuana from the banned drug list. They want to ensure that the final decision is based on all the necessary information and insights. A wise move indeed. Now, it's crucial to acknowledge that the NCAA's consideration of removing marijuana from its banned substances list aligns with changing societal attitudes towards cannabis. Could you elaborate on this aspect, Arnold? Absolutely, Connie. With an increasing number of U.S. states legalizing medical or recreational marijuana use, there has been a growing acceptance of the drug's potential benefits and a recognition of the need for more nuanced policies. The NCAA's potential decision in this matter reflects the shifting attitudes towards cannabis in society. It's interesting to see these changing attitudes reflected in collegiate sports as well. Now, what are the next steps in this process? Is the NCAA's decision final? Not yet, Connie. While the NCAA Committee on Competitive Safeguards and Medical Aspects of Sports has made the recommendation, each of the three divisional governance bodies within the NCAA would need to introduce and adopt the rule change. The final decision is anticipated to be made in the fall. So we'll have to wait and see how things unfold. Thank you for shedding light on this topic, Arnold. The potential removal of marijuana from the NCAA's banned drug list certainly holds significant implications for college athletes. It appears that this reevaluation could prevent cases like Shakari Richardson's, who was deemed ineligible to compete in the Tokyo Olympics after testing positive for cannabis. We appreciate your insights on this story. Thank you, Connie. It was my pleasure to provide more details on this important development. Welcome back to our morning news podcast, where we bring you the latest updates from around the world. We have just received some hopeful news from Sudan. Joining us now is our reporter, Jenna, who has been closely following the situation. Jenna, what can you tell us about the current situation in Sudan? Thank you, Connie. Sudan has been experiencing intense fighting for the past two months, causing chaos in the country. However, there is now a glimmer of hope as Sudan has implemented a three-day ceasefire. It's important to note that this ceasefire coincides with a pledging conference organized by the United Nations and other nations to raise funds for Sudan's humanitarian needs. That's interesting, Jenna. I understand that the funding situation has been quite dire for Sudan. Can you shed some light on that? Absolutely, Connie. The fundraising situation in Sudan is indeed critical. 
Currently, they have received less than 16% of the required $2.57 billion needed to assist those in need this year. Furthermore, an additional $470 million is needed to provide aid to refugees in the Horn of Africa region. This shortage of funds has made the humanitarian situation in Sudan increasingly dire. With such a significant funding gap, Jenna, what are the potential implications or consequences of this situation? Great question, Connie. The implications of the funding shortage are severe. More than half of Sudan's population, over 25 million people, are in need of assistance. Alarmingly, over 100,000 children are projected to suffer from severe acute malnutrition by the end of this year. Additionally, the conflict has severely damaged Sudan's healthcare system, with approximately 60% of health facilities non-functional and a scarcity of medical supplies. Urgent healthcare needs alone require $145 million, according to the World Health Organization. That's truly devastating, Jenna. Could you tell us how this ceasefire agreement came about? Certainly, Connie. The ceasefire between Sudan's armed forces and the paramilitary Rapid Support Forces, RSF, was achieved through the mediation efforts of the United States and Saudi Arabia, who have been leading diplomatic initiatives to end the conflict. This truce began on Sunday and will last until June 21st, aiming to halt the fighting that has escalated in the capital city of Khartoum. The agreement not only seeks to end the violence, but also to facilitate the unimpeded movement and delivery of essential humanitarian aid throughout the country. Given the significant consequences at stake, Jenna, how committed are the parties to this ceasefire agreement? It's an essential factor to consider, Connie. While the ceasefire is currently in effect, both parties must observe it to ensure its success. If either party fails to comply, the facilitators, United States and Saudi Arabia, may consider adjourning talks in Jeddah where discussions on the conflict are taking place. The international community is closely watching to see if this ceasefire holds amid the desperate need for aid. Thank you, Jenna, for providing us with such crucial insights into this situation. Before we wrap up, is there anything else we should know? Absolutely, Connie. In conclusion, the implemented ceasefire in Sudan aims to end the violence that has ravaged the country for the past two months. It coincides with the pledging conference, where efforts are made to raise funds for humanitarian assistance. It is paramount that the international community comes together to meet the $2.57 billion target and provide relief to the over 25 million people in urgent need. This conflict has caused immense suffering, with more than half of Sudan's population requiring assistance and their health care system in tatters. We are cautiously hopeful that this ceasefire will lead to a significant reduction in violence and an improved delivery of humanitarian aid throughout Sudan. Thank you, Jenna, for your excellent reporting on this matter. We truly appreciate your insight. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made with ChatGPT, Eleven Labs, and a program written by you. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.